I will try to keep it somewhat shortish <laughs> for those that are our guests. Some of what I'm going to share t- today um, may be more appropriate to those that are being baptised, those that, are being, that have made a decision today. But in saying that, um, there's always stuff that you can take away. There's always things that you can implement to your life. There's always, God's always got wonderful jewels, gold, wisdom that he wants to share with us all. So let's see how we go. I've got my breath back, ready to go. Let's, they've closed the baptismal, I'm not going to fall in. And um, we had a guest speaker once and we left it open. <laughs> and at, this was early days and um, the pulpit used to sit over here so I thought there was plenty of room and he was an American and he didn't move much but he was about 6'2", six, 6'3", six, and then there was just one time that he just stepped like that and he, I think he felt the change in the flooring and he looked down realised that he couldn't walk and didn't, didn't move from this spot and so we learnt from that day that we should always put the lids back on it's probably OHS these days you know, 10 years ago, OH and what? Father, we just pray for today. And uh, God, we just ask that you would move, that you would have your way, that the words that are shared would be words of life for all of us. God, things that we can take away, Lord, that at the end of the day, each and every one of us would be forged, formed, pruned, cut, Lord, more and more into the image of your Son, that you would receive the glory over and over. And uh, all these people said, Amen. Amen. So for those that are, are, are with us today, for our family, we've been talking about family life, what it's like to live in family life, and we've basically talked about that as a family, as, as the bride of Christ, we have to live by faith. Not only that, not only do we need to live by faith, but part of our family life is also having wisdom, wisdom that comes from God in the decisions that we make every day, Yeah. I want to continue with some of the things that we were talking about because we've even talked about, as a family, how do we speak to one another? Because with our tongue, we've got the power of life and death, the Bible says. So I could say something that could turn someone away from God and I could say something that would attract someone to God. So the way that we speak to one another and in everyday life is really important too, in family life. So today, 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 particularly in light of those that have been baptised, what does it look like as a family to live in harmony with one another? What does it look like to live in harmony? Where we're actually not in unison, we're not carbon copies, but we're in harmony with each other. And I'm going to be reading from James chapter 4, and uh, we're going to go from there. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to it. If not, most of the stuff will be up on the screen. And we're going to read from verse 1 through to verse 10. So verse 1 reads, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Even before I go on, I just want to say, I, I, I like the beginning, the way that James starts this, because he makes a really obvious point that there's not a lot of family harmony happening. You know, like, what causes these fights and quarrels among you? Already we know that there's some tension, there's some stuff happening. And, and in fact, whenever the Bible talks about things or occasionally it talks about things that aren't right in our life. We shouldn't be offended by that. We actually should take note of that and say, hey, I've got an opportunity now to rejig, to come in line with the way that God would like us to live, yeah? So verse 2, you desire, uh, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. 
You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. James actually makes the same point twice here. And um, let's see if we can unpack that in a, in a good manner yeah? a little bit later. Verse 5. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he's caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Yes, some really like powerful slap-you-in-the-face words. Hey? You've got to love starting off a church service where you've got not just your church family, but you've got guests and you pull out words like that. It's like, what is this guy on? That's a really good question. At the moment, it's one coffee, no breakfast, and some water. Hopefully, by the end of today, it'll be about four or five coffees. But this particular passage, who's it written to? I hear so often, and I often go out on the edge and say stupid things like, it makes me sick to my stomach if I hear somebody else say, you know, with this loving God, and he is a loving God, that we don't have to do anything, that we can do whatever we like. It really doesn't matter how we live. Yeah, so this passage of scripture is not written to me because I'm a child of God already. No, it actually, in fact, this passage of scripture is written to the children of God. You know, James actually begins his epistle by, by saying it's written to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. In James 1.1, 1, 1, it starts off saying, James, a servant of God and, the Lord, and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. So this is a broad letter to all believers. That's all of us, yeah? Broad letter to all believers. It doesn't matter your denomination. It doesn't matter what country you're from, your ethnicity. It's a broad letter, yeah? It's out there. He writes different totally different to Paul because Paul's letters, they're, they're addressed to a specific people, a specific place. You always know what Paul's going through. You know who he's speaking to because of the way that he writes. But because of the way that Paul writes, James actually has an understanding of the wider culture of the church across the board. So he now starts penning and he's writing to everyone, trying to capture everyone, get everyone's ear, get everyone listening, because he wants people to live in harmony the way that God wants us to live, yeah? So that's, that's a, a little bit of a foundation of where I want to go. So this chapter this chapter is going to warn us. It's going to warn us about having a friendship with the world. Now, we can unpack that for days. You know, it doesn't mean you don't have friends that aren't believers. It doesn't mean that we don't work out there. It's talking about something completely different. But it's going to warn us about this friendship with the world. And James, James holds, a, a, it's a very distinct, strong opinion between the world and the church. There's a difference as far as he's concerned. And you and I, particularly those that were baptised today, you guys, you need to understand there's a difference 
between the church and the world. There is. And if you belong to Jesus, we belong to his people. And if we belong to Jesus, then there's a different expectation on how you live. Yeah? It doesn't mean that you're working for your salvation. For those that are at home that are listening, that are a great, super grace-inspired, you can do nothing for your salvation. Jesus did it all on the cross. But there is a way. There is a way that God expects us to live in the same way that I have an expectation as a parent, whether it's right or wrong, on how I expect my kids to live. And if God is our Father, he has an expectation. There's an expectation that the way that we live is different It's not like those that don't believe. It's not like the world around us. But it's like the family of God. Because harmony in God's family is a necessity. It has to be. It's got to be. So we should always be aware of the people that are in in discord, the people that are trying to lead you astray. Even in life, even if you don't believe in God, be aware of the people that are trying to lead you down a path that's going to lead you astray. That's generally not a good influence, yeah? Yeah. If, if you're a reformed alcoholic and you've got this new friend, he's great, go to the footy together, but he wants to continually take you to the pub, probably not a good friend to have. That I would call common sense. Yeah? Just thought I'd throw that out there. Be aware of who, who's pulling your strings. Be aware of the one who's in discord, who tries to pull the family apart. Be aware of that because often we would say in Christian circles, that's, that's the enemy at work. That's worldliness. Now, I'm talking about family harmony. And, and harmony, in definition, it's not unison. We're, we're, not, we're not carbon copies of each other. You guys are really quiet. I haven't even got to the hard stuff yet. Like, seriously. If you think the person next to you is dead or asleep, just elbow them. Like... I, it can't be me because I, I snore really loud and you would know if I was asleep. But anyway, harmony in definition is not unison. Okay, unison, unison, a good example of that is when we all sing together in the same note. Yeah, that, that would be unison. And, and that can be really sweet. It can be powerful if we're all able to sing in unison in the, with the same note. But harmony is different. Harmony has a, an extra beauty about it, if you will. It's an extra power about it, in fact. Think of it like this. It's, even as our guys sang today, it's a different note, but the same tune. <coughs> and it comes all together. Yeah? Different note, same tune, comes all together. I, I, I'm going to show my age because I, I think of those blended harmonies of bands that I used to like. Who remembers ABBA? I grew up in the 70s. I know it looks like I was born in the 80s, but, you know, that's okay. Right. But what about ABBA? What about the Beatles for those that are older than me? Because they, they sang in harmony. I'll show my age again. What about Hall & Oates? What about, you don't know Hall & Oates? What about the Jackson 5? But for my son, because he used to love What About One Direction? <laughs> Can you sing any of their songs? <laughs> even this morning while we worship for me we have such a lovely I, I call our singing time worship I know worship for those that are theologically uh, more, inept, uh, uh, more adept than what I am is our whole lives but our worship this morning our guys if you notice some were singing others were singing in harmony and it just 
fills out. It's this beautiful tone that starts to fill the building. That's the type of life that God wants us to live. A life where we're singing in harmony together. Because at the end of the day, harmony adds to music. At the end of the day, harmony actually adds to our lives. To your personal life, to your family life, your extended family, to church life. That's what we want. You know, you ever seen in a movie where a, a kid gets on a piano and he starts playing, you know, his little chopsticks or something, you know, just at the end, something that he's learned from someone. And then some seasoned veteran comes and sits alongside him and starts playing some beautiful notes but adding to, to his music. And you think, wow, that's, that's awesome. That's harmony. That's how it starts to work when we put it all together. It's an incredible sound. And I think that Father God can do that in us with the grace that he pours out on us, with the forgiveness that he's given us. When we're in church family, we can actually live a life of harmony, one with another. Yeah? That doesn't mean that we dance to the same tune. doesn't mean that you're all Western Bulldog supporters. Though you should be, Ruby. Yeah? It doesn't mean that we all vote Greens or Labor or, or, or Liberal, whatever it might be. It doesn't mean that we have to have the same opinion in everything. But in harmony together, we can still communicate, we can talk, we can share, we can grow, yeah? And in living a life of harmony with those around us, there's nothing more beautiful, particularly if I'm going to say, I know I'm biased, but in the bride of Christ and the church family. So how do you and I, how do do those of you that were baptised today, how do you live in harmony? How how do you get back to that if, if it's being disjointed how how do we do that how how do the the discordant notes come back together james makes it really simple for us i reckon and and so for those that were baptized for those that jumped in the water if you take note of anything take note of this stuff here yeah to harmonize you need your desires changed you need to have your desires changed because harmony doesn't come naturally you know, in the family of God, it takes some work. You know, it doesn't even come naturally in our own family, does it, Mel? It takes some work, takes sacrifices, requires change. Why did my eldest daughter laugh over there when I said that? Like, it's like she knows something that I don't. <laughs> takes work. Harmony takes work. It's not always there. We've got to work on some stuff. And this is what James is trying to say. Because the background here, he starts that, that, that verse with what causes fights and quarrels among you. He's asking a question because he knows something is out of whack. And then he says, don't they come from the desires that battle within you? Half the issues that you and I have when we live life with one another isn't because of the other person. Shock, horror. It's because of the desires that are inside each of us. Yeah? So, man, if you need to, look to the person on your right and go, wow, you're so wicked. And they're like, no, don't do that. Because it's the desires inside each and every one of us that cause us to quarrel, that cause us to argue. Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill, you covet, but you can't get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You don't have because you don't know. That's some really tough language that James is using. Desires, friendship, wars, fighting, strong. This is really dramatic language, but it's about unrest when there's no harmony. It's about bad feelings where there's no harmony. It's about hostile relationships where there's no harmony. 
And I know for me, I want to live in harmony with as many people, with all people, particularly those within my family and my extended family. I know those that were baptised today want to live in harmony, a Christ-like harmony. Charles Spurgeon actually uses these words in relation to this passage of scripture. He goes, these lustings, he calls them, the desires, these lustings. Like, that's just a whole new thing. Like, now, now some of the young people are saying, lustings, who told him? How does he know? But don't worry, I was young ones too. These lustings, in many cases, become extremely intense. They make their man or woman their slave. You getting this? They domineer over his or her judgment. That's what an uncontrolled desire lust can do inside of us. So it's not just that we have feelings, but we become enslaved by those feelings. And it's like a battle is going on with, within us. Anyone ever had that tension inside of you for stuff? Like you just, you know you're fighting within yourself. And, and, and we're not just, you know, living as we should. And, and, and I, I guess none of us should underestimate what James is trying to say as he, as he pens all this stuff. Because these are serious times. And in fact, with the way that culture is today, they're so relevant. So relevant because you can't even have a different opinion on social media today with someone jumping down your throat and telling you how right they are and how wrong that you know you are, etc. Is that right? Is that how it goes? I don't know why I'm so often the recipient of those types of comments on social media. I don't poke the bear, I don't do those things. You know, our desires. It's like, just keep moving, don't dig the hole. Our desires, they can actually be so strong. Our self-determination, our self-will can, can be hard to overcome because especially when we're fighting within ourselves. And James is saying, what's all this stuff? What's going on amongst you? Isn't this from some infighting? Isn't this from a desire that's within you, that, that battles within you? Now, we're fighting for parent influence in our own lives sometimes. And, and sometimes we nurse grudges that justify bad attitudes. You know, oh, no, it's okay to feel like this because he's a beep. And you have that battle because another part of you says, don't be like that. They're really nice. They're not nice. Who's ever had a whole conversation, almost written a book in a split second about someone? Like, seriously, someone cuts you off on the road and you know why they cut you off. Because they've, you know, they're obviously taking drugs, or their footy team lost, or they've just got sacked from work. You know their life's problems and why they cut you off, and all they did was drive past you. You know, like, is it just me that paints these pictures? Oh, I got some great pictures of people. Let me tell you. Oh, you'd want to know. You know, you don't want to know some of the pictures I've got. But James says that this stuff they come from the desires that battle inside of us, inside of us for. For the foursome, the fantastic four. Let's deem them the fantastic four. Just be easier rather than saying those that were baptised today. The fantastic four. This stuff battles within you. You need to know that it battles within you. So if there's going to be harmonising, when, when, you, when you're not even harmonising within yourself, that's going to be really hard to show harmony with other people. You know, If the flesh and worldliness is so strong in our lives that it's not going to be a natural fit for those that are harmonising around you, 
You know when you walk into a room and you don't feel quite right? Ever walked into church and think, oh, I don't want to be here today? Yeah. Let me put it out there, right? It's not the people in the room. It's what's going on inside of us. Whether you're a believer or not a believer, you walk into church and go, oh, man, I don't want to be in here right there. It's not because the pastor's good-looking or not good-looking. It's not because the guys can't sing. It's something that's battling inside of us. Yeah, We need to be aware of that. So if you're in harmony with the Spirit and I'm in harmony with the world, say, we're going to have some conflict. And you need to know how to work through that. Each of us needs to come humbly before the Lord, James says. And when we surrender our desires, when we surrender our lusts, our opinions, you know that this is what's right. When we surrender those things and delight ourselves in the Lord, the word tells us that he will give us then the desires of our heart. That word lusting, I like the way Charles Spurgeon uses it because he, he, he talks about it as a, a, a poverty of lusting. There's a poverty when you're holding on to your own desires. There's a poverty in that. It, it, it's not showing a generosity of spirit. Yeah. And you desire but do not have, so you kill. You cover but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. This is what Spurgeon says again about this verse. See the boy hunting the butterfly that flies from flower to flower while he pursues it ardently. You know that, Spurgeon, because I would never use the word ardently. At last it's within his reach and with his cap he knocks it down. But when he picks up the poor remains of the butterfly, he finds it's spoiled by the very act that won it. It's like a battle that's going on within us and so ultimately the outworking of that is going to be disharmony. You know, we need to change our desires. The Fantastic Four, change your desires. Make sure they're God's desires. Make sure they align with his will. Make sure that you're prayerful. Make sure that you get around other people that can actually grow you, mature you, mentor you in the things of God. And so if you've got stuff burning on the inside, you can share it with them and get some direction in Jesus' name. So if your desires have to change, that was verses 1 and 2. You guys want to be more like Jesus, so let's keep going. If you're going to harmonise, you need to change your prayers too. So now your prayers are going to change, Samuel. I know that you're not a selfish boy. I know that you pray for many and a lot of different people. But so many of us often can get caught praying for us. For me. For we. For my. No one else, just me. Lord, I could use this. You see, how we actually pray really matters. If you're someone here today and you're not a believer in God, I have seen, I'm just going to throw this out there, believer or not believer, on a person's deathbed, I have yet to see someone deny God on their de deathbed. My personal experience. Everybody at that last minute, when life is ebbing away, when things aren't going right, when there's no answers, people reach out and even throw questions to the universe to the energy that it's around us yeah it's not the universe it's not energy there's a god a living god that wants to answer us amen 
our prayers, they really matter. If we only pray for what I want, and if, if we pray for me to have more and me to be successful, yeah, and, and me to be better, it's like saying that you don't really care about anybody else, just me. That, that's not a harmonising type of prayer, is it? Imagine going to a prayer meeting with others and you start praying, God bless me. Just bless me. You're in a prayer meeting. It could be for anything. You know, just bless me. It's like going to a barbecue and making sure that you take all the steaks before anybody else. <laughs> That's why the steaks don't come out until after sausages, burgers and chicken. So everyone's full. So you wait to the end and that's when the steak... If you're going to go to an ethnic barbecue, know how we do it. Right? The best stuff comes out at the end. So you're full, we enjoy. That's how it works, okay? Just letting you know. Some things are important to understand how they work. How we matter, how we pray matters. James pens verse 3, because there seems to be a blockage in the praying. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Wrong motives, they can happen to any of us, yeah? It's so easy to fall in, 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 just into a line of thinking that will bless us. You know, one of the reasons it seems prayers aren't answered is, is this, simply this. Sometimes God says no. Yeah? And just because I'm asking for him for something doesn't mean I'm asking according to his will. You know, when we pray, we need to pray in line with his will. For those that are believers, is that okay? Yeah? For his glory, not just our self-seeking desires, sometimes God says no. And for those of you that have walked with the Lord long enough, you would know that sometimes God says slow. He goes, listen... I'm going to answer that, but not just yet. Because you know what? Maybe, maybe the Fantastic Four, maybe there's still some work that God needs to do within us. Yeah? Before we're ready to receive the stuff that we've been praying for. Sometimes God might say, hold on, I need you to grow first. That's that very thing. We never come to faith and have it all. I believe it's a journey from the moment we say yes to Jesus to the moment that we say hello to Jesus upon our deathbed and we're taken home. It's a journey, yeah? And we're continually growing and maturing in our faith all the time. So sometimes when we pray, if the prayer's not coming, maybe it's just that next season in life. That next season in life. I'm 52. I've discovered that there's lots of seasons in one year. So I've got a whole bunch of time ahead of me. And so does everyone here. But there are other times when we ask God for something and his word is go. He just says, yes, go. But James, James seems to be especially focused, reflecting almost on, on the part of our praying where God says no. It's almost like he's, he's disciplining us as we keep asking for that one thing. Maybe it's because we're asking with the wrong motive. You know, I heard recently, when it comes to praying, there are four types of prayers. Not prayers, but praying. Four types of praying. No praying. Ever, anyone ever done that praying? You bunch of lies. No, not a single hand went up, right? Come on. So no one's ever gone through a day or two days without praying. Man, never. You are a godly man. I cannot wait to walk across Lake Windaree with you. On top of. <laughs> Probably because of all the stuff that's underneath it. But anyway, 
So there's no praying, there's small praying, there's more praying, and then there's ultimate intercession. And it just shows that you and I, that we can continually be maturing in our praying. Those that got baptised, just because you were baptised, doesn't mean that now you're the king of prayer. You may have an awesome prayer life, but you can continually grow. We can continually grow in prayer. And even if you don't believe in God, maybe throw a prayer out there one day and say, hey, I'd like you to, you know, I don't believe you're real, but I've got friends that think you are. Do you mind proving yourself? Show me. Scary prayer. Because <laughs> he might actually, you know, then it would really, like, what do I do now? Don't ask me. I'm just the pastor. Speak to your friend. Like, no, I don't know. If God shows himself to you, then reach out to someone that knows him. But throw out a prayer. You might be surprised that it gets answered. So as we walk with the Lord, you and I, as we go deeper and we become more intimate with our relationship with him, what is more intimate with our relationship with him? It means there's no more BS. There's no more wearing masks, pretending we've got life together because we're Christians. It means that when we're broken, we go before the Lord and we go, man, you know what, I'm having a shocking time. It's totally shaped. Things are falling apart. It means that we can be real with him. But you can only be real, you can only go as deep as your level of intimacy. So if you want a relationship with God where everything's just, you know, strawberry fields forever, don't expect a deep relationship with God. But if you're prepared to be real and bring your brokenness to the table as we continue to build a deeper, more intimate relationship with him, our prayers naturally change. Because we're in, all of a sudden we become in line with his heart. You know, in order for there to be harmony in our families, even in my own life and with the extended family of God, we need changed desires. We need changed prayers. And then we need to change our friendships. That doesn't mean you ditch your friends. I'm just putting it out there because it could sound really bad. Yeah? Doesn't mean that. Doesn't mean that. But there, there is a particular type of friendship that needs to adjust in our lives for us to be able to live in harmony with one another. It can be as basic as who are we friends with, as basic as that. Because we need to make sure that our friends are people that are helping us grow in the Lord, grow in maturity, yeah. like we just do. Yeah. You know, There's always times where we're going to help people that are struggling, that don't have faith. That's part of the faith. Yeah? Who, who's heard this before? If your church was no longer there, would the community even notice? You've heard that? As, as Christian leaders, we often... People often pose that. If your church wasn't there anymore, would the community even notice? If you didn't even ask me that question, I wouldn't even know you were alive. No, seriously. Though. If your church wasn't there, would the community even notice? That's a, that's a, fair, it's a fair question. Let me ask a better question. If God were to look into your heart and in your lives, who of those that you call friends around you has the most influence? I think that's a better question. Because if you want to live in harmony, especially the Fantastic Four that have made a commitment saying, you know what, man, I drew this line and I'm now over here and I don't want to go, I don't want to live like that. I want to live for God. So if God looks at you, 
Who has the most influence in your life? Which of your friends? Those that are leading you to him, growing you in him? Or those that are leading you astray, throwing out temptations? I reckon that's such a cool question. See, our culture says that we have to choose different directions. I won't even get into verse 4 because the wording is just yuck. But Our culture says you have to choose this and if you don't, then there's something wrong with you. You're not allowed to have a choice, actually, in fact. So you can choose for someone. Oh, here comes the hole. I identify as a microphone stand. That's great. I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you while you're a microphone stand. But I'm not going to agree with you. I'm going to choose to believe that you can identify as male and female. So that's the way the Bible teaches me. That's the way I've seen my kids grow up. So I'm not going to tell you what you're going to do. But I can't agree with you. So the minute that I say I cannot agree with you, all of a sudden culture tells me automatically that I'm in the wrong. It doesn't have to be that way. You've got to hear me. It doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to choose that whole or that whole. As a Christian living in harmony with one another, as being Christ to those that are around us you can have a totally different opinion to all of your friends and you can still be in friendship because maybe you can influence them rather than influencing you is anyone understanding any of this what we need is a deep friendship with Jesus I'm, I'm out of time, so I'm going to finish with a couple of words, but I'm going to ask most people to stand if that's okay. If you could stand. Because I'm very mindful that we have guests here and I do not want to take up too much of your time because I know some of you have got a, a luncheons and lunches to go to. I know some of us that are here have got our awesome AGM. Woohoo! AGM, we forgot about that. That's why we had baptisms today, to make sure you come. Come on. Wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. We're not stupid in this place. Jesus said, don't be like the world. Don't. Hear me, those that were baptised today. Important decision. Don't be like everybody else. Don't be like those that are around you. Don't do business the way the world does business. Don't march to their beat. March to a different beat in Jesus' name. Because that's what the word of God tells us. So we need a different friendship, a different spirit. We need to make sure that our friendship is based and locked into Jesus. That's why Joshua, I love Joshua 24, 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, See, for me, this is a statement that the four of you made today. You said, but as for me and my household, no matter who is in my household, who I consider my family and my friends, I am going to serve the Lord. 
Man, that's a cool decision. Man, there is no better and bigger decision that you will ever make in your whole life than to put God number one. Because when everybody else leaves you, or if somebody hurts you, even those closest to you will inadvertently hurt you. They don't mean to, but it'll happen because that's life. I'm telling you, there is one that will always be there. They will never leave you, never forsake you. They will be there for you through thick and thin. And all you have to do, and you've done, is say yes to him. Now your desires change. Now your prayers change. Now your friendships, those things around you change. Why do they have to change? Because God is a jealous God. Verse 5 says he's jealous. Do you think the scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? What does that mean? It means he wants you. We sing a song, don't we? Um, have, I have no rival. He has no rival. He has no equal. God and forever now he reigns. He wants no rival. Sandy, he wants no rival. No rival, Ruby. No rival. He wants to be number one. No rival, Sam. No rival, Tom. No, You've got to hear it. No rival. He jealously loves you. Jealously went to a cross for you. Yeah? Died a horrific death so that you could love him and live a life with him. And he allows us and empowers us to do that in harmony. He wants no rival. He is a jealous God. And, and I would put it this way. Jealousy, we always hear it in a bad way. But I have a jealousy for my wife because I want no rival. And she should have a jealousy for me because she doesn't want to have, you know, like fight off other women just because I'm good looking. She doesn't want to have to do that. I purposely put on weight so that doesn't happen just for her. Such a like. Because the marriage bed is never to be shared. And I want to finish with this for you guys in particular. Yeah, your relationship with God, it's not to be shared. He wants you. He wants you. He wants you as you. Yeah? You don't need to change. As you spend time with him, as you mature, you will automatically change. You can't help it. One moment in the presence of God shifts and changes your life forever. Yeah. yeah? How do I know? Because he's done that and continues to do that for me. Continually, over and over, when I think he has made the last change, he makes another one again. Because he's jealous for me. And he's jealous for you guys. Yeah. So with every eye closed, let's pray for those that were baptised today. Actually, why don't you come forward, Ruby, Sandy, Sam, Tom. We're going to pray. Um, you're here, Rob, somewhere. Yep. And... Sally, yes, please. John, are you comfortable praying or are you happy there? You, it's up to you. Cool. Don, why don't you step forward too? I love having Pastor Don Gall here. Don has served the churches of Ballarat for, if I've been here 11, 12, it's got to be 29, 30 years. Oh, I, I gave you extra years, did I? <laughs> 25, 25 years he served the churches of Ballarat. That is an outstanding... Um, yeah. 
So now he, he, he punishes my son at school and so we <laughs> thought we'd bring him here to continue that punishment. Can you just start praying for these guys? Um, if you're in your seats, just if you're a believer, raise your hands towards heaven. We're going to pray for them. They're going to pray for them individually. Just pray for them to receive the Spirit of God, that they would be led by the Spirit of God, that their desires would change, that their prayers would be less selfish, that, that their friendship groups, their friendship groups might not change, but influence, where that influence will come from will change, and that they will have the courage, the determination to be able to stand on their convictions, not being told by the culture of today what they need to or should believe in. Father, I thank you for each and every one of them. I thank you for Samuel. Thank you for Tom and Ruby, God, and Sandy. Father, thank you for them. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray, God, that even, Lord, as today progresses, they would sense a shift within themselves, God. Uh, maybe an extra unction, more power, Lord, to make a decision, Lord, that they would not have made yesterday. But I pray, God, that in all that they do, in all of their actions, in their words, the words that they speak, that you would be glorified, God. That, Lord, wherever they go, people would somehow know that they're believers. Not because they're standing on a milk crate, you know, preaching the gospel. But in their actions, people would sense something within them and they would be able to share. It's because of God in my life. It's because of God in my life. There's a quote by Dr. Paul Tripp. He says this, and this alone, anything that says that you can be okay without Jesus is a lie. The world, the things around you will end up being out of tune, totally out of tune, a loud noise, a gong, a gong even. But as you walk with the Lord, as you begin to harmonise, as your loyalties towards him change, as you humble him, yourself before him, the Bible says he will lift you up. So God, bless these people today. Bless all those that are here, those that have been in the listening, Lord God. I pray, Father, that we would be more like your son, Jesus, that we would have something that we could take away today. So God, we thank you, Lord, for what we've shared. We thank you for the baptisms. We thank you, Lord, for the sunshine that's out. Lord, we thank you for the coffee that we're about to drink. We thank you for the loved ones around us and about us. Um, and we just give you all the glory. And all these people said, Amen. Amen.